Hey, 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 welcome to Dropkick and Elbows featuring Joshua Danger Experience, aka Mr. YouTube Sensation, and Wrestling Zone, Joshua Danger. And also, I bring you my counterpart, Miss Intimidation, because it's all about the celebration from Louisville. So, that being said, first, it's been the first ever episode of Dropkick and Elbows going live to Anchor and possibly Spotify. Um, but today's topic we're bringing up is cancel culture amongst the wrestling business. So, how do you want to start with this, Miss? Intimidation. I mean, the fact that it's a mess. Yeah, it is a pretty damn big mess. But how do you feel that it affects the community of professional wrestling and what guys like me and girls like you are doing? I mean, we've definitely seen it affect us. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it helps. Yeah, definitely coming from the background of um, one guy, actually a couple of big name guys, one that I do know pretty well from California, Mr. Joey Ryan, and also former New Japan um, NJ, or IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Marty Skrull is one of those guys that's actually considered to be on the blacklist for cancel culture. Um, I actually feel like it's actually a big deal because going back to where they came from a few years ago, they were hanging out at clubs which were allowing younger girls to come hang out with them. And now it's starting to really come into full effect. And I feel like me coming up in the era that I did, I actually feel like <clears throat> this is definitely a possibility that could have happened with me, but surprisingly hasn't happened with me. Because, like I said, growing up in the Wild Wild West era of professional wrestling, being that we call it the Attitude Era, in the WCW Nitro era, we could get away with stuff like that, being that we had bigger names. And another big name that came up, this happened, I want to say, what, Hannah? Or Miss Intimidation, with Hulk Hogan basically dropping the N-word in a porno film that was leaked by Gawker. Or Gawker. Um, got him pretty much put on that blacklist too for a good number of years. Um, what can... Yeah, he... Well, he did get back... He did get put back into the Hall of Fame. WWE Hall of Fame. And he is making... Um, content with WWE here and there. But... He's still one of those guys that is 
like, dude, I don't know if we can really trust him because of the mistakes he made. Um, but him having the name that he had, and you don't really hear about the guys that had the problems years ago. Unless you throw like Sean Waltman, a.k.a. X-Pac, Six-Pack, having that porno film with uh, Joni Lore, a.k.a. China. Um, but I actually feel like the whole thing as a whole, me coming up when I did and me coming up over the last several years, like, I could have been canceled a number of times just for being a little bit insensitive. And it's like, okay, basically, you have no rights nowadays for to make money. And basically, if you do mo make money off this business, somebody can end that almost as fast as anybody. And... Miss Intimidation actually knows that pretty damn well. Because there were guys out there that would try to ruin her career. But yet, we had guys that would actually back us up when we weren't in the wrong. So... Oh, for damn sure. And you know what incident I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I do know the incident very, very well. Then when I tried to sit up there and say that I was snow had something all the way not supposed to happen. And I was like, uh, no, that was supposed to happen. They were like, no, it wasn't. I was like, okay, no one's gonna get him. Exactly. And, you know, us as talent, we actually handled a lot of our problems by ourselves. And we also said, you know what? Me being a wrestling mind in the wrestling business and people comparing me to Dusty Rhodes for paving the way for producers and guys like that. We always kind of knew that we could build content without being overly PC but we knew how to draw that line like unlike these guys that come along today that are relatively new to the business and a lot of the old timers actually sit there and they actually do tell you that you gotta watch what you say here and there because not only if you're on TV like let's say AEW and um WWE being intellectual property is that they are they teach you how to handle yourself more so now than they've ever taught you they tell you don't be a bully even though I could say a few things here and there about that but they teach you how to handle yourself a little bit better for TV because that is grade A, the one thing that is your meat and potatoes. You can create content and be original and still be 
TV 14 friendly. But as soon as you cross that gray line, it's like, um, do you know you screwed up? Oh yeah, and you know it's. It, it happens like I, I've been seeing it a lot lately, especially with guys like Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Which luckily, luckily, he, he's one of those guys that he knows where to draw his line. Which I give him credit. Sammy Callahan being a guy that knows how to draw the hard limit and still draw what he does. Like, you have companies that, like MLW, that have former producers from WWE and NWA that preach to you about how you handle business. Yeah, because now at that level, you're in a more higher susceptible chance of getting everything thrown at you for that crap. Oh, yeah. Like... There were times when I, I got pulled into the principal's office by good old Mr. Snell. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, he was always telling me, he's like, Josh, you're a bright kid. You're a bright kid. But you've got to watch what you say. Oh yeah, of course. And I was like, he he was practically preaching to me about how to be a little bit more PC friendly. And I was always like, I, I was the guy that I was going to push the issue a little bit, basically big time, or pull the Shawn Michaels because I, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually helped train some of Shawn Michaels guys. And I, I learned how to big time people a little bit here and there. And I know in this day and age, you really can't big time anybody anymore. And show up the business. You've been in the industry longer than me too. So, you know, things were a lot different back then. And it's like, oh yeah. But I, I think this is where I'm actually going to say what I actually truly mean. And I, I kind of taught you the Dusty Rhodes way of life <laughs> theory. And I was like, I, I showed you, like, even when you were coming up, what, four, four years ago? Three, five years ago. Yep, five years ago. You were literally, like, you were trying to soak up everything that I was teaching you because it was golden age of wrestling rules. And I was like, I always said, you know what, I'm not going to name drop anybody, but when I was coming up, I, I was seeing the guys like Seth Rollins, and I was actually trying to teach them how to be a little bit more PC and be friendly. And, you know, he didn't really pick up on it until, <laughs> until he got to WWE, and he learned the Triple H way of life, which... A lot of the things that Triple H taught was along the same guidelines as Dusty, Cody's dad, Cody, Cody and Dustin's dad, Rhodes' dad. He's one of those kind of guys that he preached to them about doing the right thing, 
and you know, honestly, and good old Seth, aka Tyler Black, when I was coming up with them, he was always like, you know what, man, I'm just gonna do whatever I gotta do to get by and make money and just, and you know, Jimmy Jacobs was one of those guys that would actually be like, dude, just slow your roll a little bit. Your time's coming. And, you know, I, you know, Jimmy Jacobs, <laughs> I will go on record and I will vouch for him even as much as I, me and him have so little in common. But he was one of those guys that actually kind of had the foot, like, me and him were coming in around the same damn time, maybe about two or three years apart. <clears throat> when I was jumping on the indie scene and he was soaking me up kind of like you were. Miss Intimidation. <laughs> so I, I kind of look at that and I was like, he kind of soaked up what I was teaching him and he kind of practiced it towards, like even when Chris Hero, AKA Cassius Ono, and Sammy were coming up and John Moxley, AKA Dean Ambrose, um, those guys were always the guys that, you know, you, you knew wanted to be the best in the business, even though they were controversial, to say the least, when they were first coming out. And, you know, you know, I think that's why I went, when I went to, when I originally came up in OVW, I think that's why everybody so, soaked me up, was because I was teaching a lot of the stuff at 22, 23, 24 years old. And I, you know, I always had that role like, but I think it's funny that Johnny, AKA Gargano, <laughs> I, I remember seeing him come up around, I wanna say it was 2010s, early 2010s. And they were saying he's a hell of a worker. Like, but his personality is very, very dry. Like, he's one of those guys that he could teach you the entire encyclopedia of wrestling now. And I was like, dude, he's... No. Huh? I said what I was listening to that. No. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fuck no, you wouldn't. But he... But he could show you... He could show you things that... A lot of guys couldn't show you and how to do this. You know, me. Oh, yeah, of course. And a lot of guys would actually sit there and actually say, you know, I think that's why Al actually always saw me as being a teacher. And he's like, dude, you are the one guy that knows the insides and the outs of the wrestling business because. You were taught by Kevin Nash. You were taught by Scott Steiner. And you learned from Ric Flair, obviously, and Dusty Rhodes. And I was like, you know, honestly, the fact that I do train a little bit here and there, but I, I, I think I come from the tree of Dusty, for sure. Because I, I think that's where a lot of this comes in. And they say, you know what? Dusty always said, he's like, he practiced what Eric Bischoff preached. And 
controversy equals cash, but nowadays you can't be, you have to draw that line <laughs> to where controversy equals cash because if you're spending more cash making controversy now, how long is that going to last? And that's pretty much where I'm coming in and I'm going to literally tell you guys how to actually put the variables out there. And I think that's where a lot of guys actually get the business completely wrong. Like, they're literally saying, oh, you know what? You're not reliable enough. And it's like, if you're lazy, you're not going to make it in this business because you're not going to be hungry. Like, you know, me coming up as a Detroit boy, as a kid, I was hungrier than everybody else because guess what? And when I got my comeuppance and everybody said, you know what? You could have been working for the WWE in two, between 2002 and 2005. And I think a lot of those guys would have actually said, I was coming up in California for a minute during the first Tough Enough sessions. And I remember one of the specifics was actually in Louisville because Al wanted a spot to actually recruit talent from the Midwest to go to Louisville for a minute. And he actually said, he's like, you know what? He wanted me to be a part of that first tough enough to actually say, you know what? Throw everybody else out and teach them the way. And I think that's why a lot of guys actually said, even when I was going through OV, I think it was, what year was that? I want to say it was 2006, 7, when I was working back and forth between, or no, actually I take that back. It was 2002, I was working back and forth between, um, no, 2003. And they were having me work back and forth between Louisville and San Antonio with Shawn Michaels Academy. And Michaels was actually vouching for me to get a seven, almost a million dollar contract just, just to train guys. Which... When Laura started getting into it, I remember you came back for three consecutive years during six, seven, and eight. Oh, yeah. Well, I... Okay. Not to mention working Shakara, um, CZW, and um, what was the other one that was up in New York? They're still relatively big, but they're not as big now as they were back then. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're still. I want to say it's the one that uh, Huber, aka um, Brody, came from, and I can't remember which one it was. It was RC. I want to say RCW, Rochester Championship, or something like that. And I I remember I saw Brody. And I was like, holy fuck, this boy's going to be a worker. <laughs> and, you know, that's the one thing I can always say about him. Like, he, he, he was working a lot 
during that era. And and I think that was when me, Moxley, Huber, Callahan, Jessica Havoc, obviously, um, and Eddie Kingston were coming. I was always the one guy that was like, the fuck? And I should say, throw Chris Hero in that fucking category. And, um, God, what the fuck is Colt Cabana? He was that, those were the guys that we were going back and forth between every company. But, oh, you said 06, 07, and 08. That was when, actually, it was 05, 06, 07, 08, 09, and 10. I had a good five-year span with OVW, and that's when I was getting a good look at, like, the Daniel Bryans, the CM Punks, the Chris Heroes, um... God, who else was in that lineup? But, I, I think he was, because I think he came in in 2008, 2009, and I think you're right. And I think he was actually the one guy that came from CZW. Him and Hero had a tryout that year and he just went back to the indies and started barking with Colt and it was like I was bringing in the guys from Chicago to OVW and that was when I was working with Paul Heyman and I'm not gonna say the fucker that I dislike but I will throw his name out there fucking good old Mr. Cornette the fucking ornery old bastard that he is now <laughs> And I was like, I swear to God, as much as I hate him, I'm like, I so appreciate him so much more now than I, than ever. Yeah, you two got into it over everything. <laughs> he was saying that, oh, oh, yeah, like, no, there was a almost a 10-year span where I was with OVW, and I was literally looking at... And there was The Miz and um, Ziggler. I forgot about those boys. Like, And you were always t like, do you want to tell the story about when we were coming back in 18 and they were working OVW Garden? I think it was OVW Garden, or did they already change the name to Davis? I can't... That's what I thought. I, I was like, and... We were sitting, you told the story yesterday, and I was just remembering this, and I was just like, oh shit, like, snow was fuming because we were plotting our shit together, and you were saying that, um, he's like, where the fuck did you, where the fuck did Josh and those guys go? And, I just kind of remember that, like, um kind of coming along that day like oh fuck like you know what fuck this <laughs> fucking KO wasn't gonna be there and who was the other one I want to say it was Cesaro wasn't it that was supposed to be there but they both no shoot <laughs> they went from the 10 main fight to the 8 main yeah fight. and Snow was like that wasn't supposed to happen and I was like but you know Oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. My guy, this show must go on. <laughs> exactly. 
You see, that's where I always look at it like, you know what, show, the Vince McMahon principle always comes in. The show must go on. And I, I, I specifically remember, like, he's like, you guys are fucking done. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I kind of figured that. <laughs> Even though he knew we were money. And he basically said, you guys fucked us. And I was surprised that my name did not get dropped on a Cornette episode. <laughs> week. Because that was the week Cornette was actually sitting in the audience just trying to... Actually, no, he wasn't sitting in the audience. He was actually working as a commentator that week. And I kind of remember that. And he's just like, those fucking boys... Those fucking boys are gonna fucking be the death of me. And he's like, those boys are always fucking the fucking system. Even though they do a damn good job doing it. But. He's like, I like Josh, but god damn, is he a fucking asshole. And. What the fucking cup was even worse? Huh? I said that the fucking cup next was even worse. Oh, yeah, of course. Like. <laughs> Everybody said that. Like, because Al knew that he was going to come out to the fucking ring and he was going to rip me a new one and he knew he was going to get punched in the face. <laughs> and probably get his head fucking red like he'd never gotten it done before. <laughs> oh, of course. And I was like, you know, that's, that's why the fucking stories are always great. And, you know, I think that's why my cousin Ryback was always the one guy he's like I, you know I would never ever start a fight with my cousin Josh because I know I would lose <laughs> and I would have to eat another fucking meat sandwich that was served at, through his fucking fist and I you know I, I love Ryback I, I love fucking Cody and you know the tribute that Snow did for I will honestly say the tribute he did for Pillman Jr. after finding out that Pillman left for fucking AEW, I, I kind of said, you know what? Now I know why he wanted me back. And that also brings, brought me to the question that I was asking you last night. Like, why the fuck, why the fuck did they bring that fucking double tall fucking steel cage? And I was just like, um... Now I fucking remember because that, that cage, like, I, I saw that cage that, the, uh, last night, and I was just looking at it like, dude, that kind of brings back memories. And I think that was the night when I was supposed to jump back in the ring, and basically everybody started storming the, f <laughs> everybody started storming the cage, thinking, um, Josh is going to fucking leave everybody pissed off and wanting more blood. And I was like, okay. I, I do specifically remember that. And being that fucking gauntlet match. Because everybody said they were like, Josh is going to fucking end this. And Josh is going to destroy the company. And it was supposedly... I, I asked Al about it the other night and I was like 
was that fucking, was that fucking riot that bad? He's like, uh, he's like, uh, do you remember Tupelo, Mississippi? I was like, yeah, I remember hearing about that one with Brody. Bro not Brody Lee, but, uh, um, 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 the original Brody. Bruiser Brody. And how <laughs> that was the fight. How that was the fight that left everybody pissed off. And basically, the brawl. Where Brody was actually swinging the... Brody was swinging the freaking, um... God, what was it called? The, um, cowbell. On the rope. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I knew it was going to be ten times worse than that. Because that was the night New Jack was supposed to show up. And you said something you weren't supposed to... And this being PC. I was like, I, I said, I'm going to ad-lib it, but I'm going to clean it up a little bit. What I'm thinking about saying, and yeah. I know where you're going. I'm <laughs> And I, I specifically remember it. Clear as day. Huh? What I'm saying for those who don't know, yeah. Yeah. So, I would never say anything derogatory towards anybody, but I... I know, I'm not gonna repeat it. But I also said something about Samoans that wasn't very nice. <laughs> and but I also said I was like, I'm ready to fight. <laughs> and Snow just looked at me, he's like, You're gonna be the first one in. I was like, good. That means more victims to put in the pile. <laughs> and he's just like, oh shit. And that's when... And I am gonna quote this. And I'm... This is when I remember seeing Vance Archer. A.K.A. Uh, Lance Archer on AEW. Saying, everybody must die. And I remember specifically seeing him there and he's like thinking about how I'm going to steal that and how his ears were literally fuming because he's like, I don't know how to add this. And, and he's just like, he's like, just steal it from Josh. And I remember, you, you specifically remember, this was, I want to say 15, 15 or 16. When Archer was still, or Lance Archer was still coming back and forth between Louisville, Texas, and he was still working the indie scene on, um, in the U.S. And he specifically said, he's like, everybody's gonna die. And I was like, dude, I will own your ass. And I will break you ten times over. And Snow thought, you know what, there's no way he's gonna get past Archer. And I was like... I remember specifically just, like, Moxley, <laughs> Moxley, a.k.a. Ambrose, was sitting backstage, and he's literally like, um, he's like, where am I going to be in this? And he's like, well, you, you should probably be third or fourth, maybe fifth in there. And he's like, 
is Josh going to be out of this match <laughs> by then? And he, he's like, because he looks like he's hitting Archer pretty damn hard. <laughs> and he's like, he's literally watching me kick the legs out of Lance Archer. Literally. And you remember seeing Archer backstage hanging around gorilla position and me and him talking like dude you know I'm gonna have to go I I'm gonna have to go psychology with you on this match with David versus Goliath so you know what's gonna happen and he's like he's like just take it easy on my legs okay <laughs> and I was like I can't promise you I'm gonna take it easy but I promise I will make sure you walk out <laughs> And I remember I hit him twice in his tree-like legs. And I mean, his, literally, his legs are tree-like. Like, almost California Redwood-like. If you put California Redwoods on a... But I remember you. I remember you saying this backstage, like, you know, this is what happens when you take a Louisville Slucker to a fucking Redwood. <laughs> and it looks like he's doing some damage to the limbs, but it's not moving. It's like moving the tree. And. Obviously, somebody of the Samoan family, I'm not going to name names, saying he's like, Jesus Christ, Josh is going to fucking hurt somebody. <laughs> and I specifically remember saying, like, you saying, like, um, Archer's a dead man. <laughs> and then... I, I asked for the mic, like, next, come on, bring the next one out. So, because the next one, everybody's going to die tonight. Which, was, who was the second one in, Hannah? Wasn't it, I want to say Gallows. Because I specifically remember it was either Gallows or Anderson. I can't remember which one it was. But those two bald-headed fucks, I, I pretty much said, I told them as soon as they hit the ring, I was like, uh, ring me up for a couple of cases of beer later. <laughs> and they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, you guys are going to want that beer after this match. And Gallows is just looking at me like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to feel worse than fucking Archer. <laughs> and so is Anderson. So I, I kind of looked at it and said, you know what? This is going to be it right here. And you were just like, God damn, like, I never saw Anderson or Gallows fall that, that fast, ever. Because, and you were asking me, like, um, you were kind of in the earpiece, basically saying, oh, Balor's going to be, like, eighth out of the tenth, or 
one of the last three. I specifically remember you saying that Balor's going to be one of the last three. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fucking Becky's going to kick me in the nuts. <laughs> Boy, did you call it that night. You, you literally said, Becky's going to kick you in the nuts if you hurt him. <laughs> After having that knee surgery done. And I was like, I promise I'm not going to hurt him too fucking bad. <laughs> because that's when he was coming back and they, they said they wanted to save him a little bit. But you, you said, <laughs> I specifically remember you saying that, um, you might want to put, um, you might want to put Braun in there last. <laughs> and I was like, fucking Braun over Roman? No, no, that, that's still unfair because I'm, I'm going to die. And you specifically remember, like, oh shit, Josh is gonna be fucking hurting tomorrow. <laughs> Going over the monitor and basically saying, um, you're not gonna like this, but Snow actually said, he's like, I, he, he actually took my suggestion to heart. And I was like, uh, what suggestion are you talking about? And he's like, uh, Braun? I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> I said, God damn it, I'm gonna fucking climb the, I'm gonna try to climb out of this fucking cage. But, I was just like, okay, that was never gonna fucking happen, ever. And I said, I am literally gonna have to fucking dive head first on top of him and pull that KO, um... What was it? The KO cannonball off the top of the cage. And I'm thinking to myself like, oh, fuck. This is going to fucking hurt. <laughs> and you looked at me after like, fucking stupid Josh. You were going off the top of the cage doing a cannonball on top of Braun. And I was like... Fucking 300 pounds coming on top of Braun. Yep, definitely gonna do it. And Snow just looked at me like, I hope it was worth it. I was like, yeah, it was. I was like, I knew I was gonna get hurt and I knew I was gonna, I, I, I took a brunt full of damage. And what did you say after that? <laughs> exactly. And I was like, you know, honestly, no, not really. But at the end of the day, I just felt like, yeah, I'm going to need about a week off from work. And Snow just looked at me like, yeah. He's like, I know you're not going to take a week off. <laughs> and I was just like, I took like a month and a half off from coming back to OVW thinking like, um, nope. I, I'm done wrestling for about a month, month and a half. I said, Al, here's the title. Have fun with it. <laughs> but you know what I remember? I saw the taping yesterday.
And I specifically saw this on OVW Classics. And I thought... Yeah, Snow actually said, he's like, um... I'm gonna put the belt on Hannah. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I was like... Oh, of course he did. Because you know what he saw? He saw Ms. Marvelous and you going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And I just said, you know what? That I, I said, I would actually pay for that as a pay-per-view. But I said, you know what? I would pay more to see... And I, I told Al, I'm like, put this on the books and take this into consideration. And I told him straight up. Why don't you put her in the ring with Goddard's? <laughs> and he's like, you would want me to put her in a ring with that freaking me head? <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. I'm like, dude, the dude would fuck... I guarantee that dude would be, I, I told Al, I'm like, dude, that dude would be more pussy whipped after that match because of having her legs tied around his fucking neck. <laughs> and he would never not want to not come to fucking OVW ever. I'm going to end this stream right here. So I want everybody here on Living Dangerously, a.k.a. podcast, Dropkicking Elbows with Joshua Danger and Miss Intimidation, which hopefully I can actually bring her along with Miss Pocket, a.k.a. Miss Mox, Mrs. Moxley <laughs> next time, which would actually be a lot of fun. Alright, have a good one everybody and stay fresh and have fun and be you and always wear a fucking mask because people that don't wear a mask are fucking assholes. And don't get the corona unless it's from a convenience store. Later everybody!